Turn back to Luke chapter 18. I have a certain fear coming into this message for both myself and for you. I fear agreeing with the doctrine of this passage of Scripture and not praying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. I've entitled this message a definitive parable. A definitive parable. This parable can be used as a summary of the entire message of the Bible. A definitive parable. Now this book we call the Bible claims inspiration. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed each word said exactly as God would have it said. Now in this book, God tells us who he is and what he is like. That's the purpose of the scriptures. To tell us who he is and what he is like. And let me say this. There is nobody and nothing like him. He is utterly unique. I want to read you a passage from Isaiah chapter 45. This is God speaking. And he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. He says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. There are some things we can know about God without the Bible. Creation. 
tells us that someone all-powerful made all of this. Every effect must have a cause. Someone made all this, and no one made him. Uh, There is a law of physics. um, Every effect must have a cause. Uh, An illustration, if a ball is moving, there was some power exerted on that ball to create that motion. And if something is at rest and starts moving, some kind of power had to begin that. This is only sense. (laughs) Somebody made all of this. And no one made him. But there are things about God we could not possibly know without this written revelation. For instance, is God just? Will God forgive sin? There are many things with regard to the character of God we cannot know without this written Revelation. Now, the Bible is not a science book, although one of these days science will catch up. But the Bible does give us his character, and there is nothing that spells out his character more clearly than verse 13 of our text. Or rather, verse 14, the Lord's conclusion. I tell you, The Lord spake with authority. I love it when he says, I tell you. This is not some mere man giving his opinion. This is he who created the universe, who cannot lie. He says, I tell you. This man, who by his own confession was a sinner, this man went down to his house justified. You know what that means? He went down to his house having never sinned. That's what justification means. By his own confession, he was a sinner. And yet he went down to his house having never sinned. That's what the Lord said regarding this man. How can that be? How can God be just and justify someone who is intrinsically and inherently unjust? How can God do that? Do you know every attribute of God is revealed in how he can be just And justify somebody like this poor, self-condemned publican. How can God be just and justify a man like this? Short answer, the cross. The cross. Every attribute of God is displayed in the cross. 
God created the universe for the cross. And the cross is the most godlike thing God ever did. And I say that with fear, but believing it. When the Lord said this man went down to his house justified, he gives us no comment as to how that could take place. I mean, by his own admission, he was a sinner. And yet the Lord says he went down to his house justified. He gives us no comment as to how that took place. And he uses the entire Bible to answer that question. This truly is a definitive parable. What I think is interesting is this question. How can God be just and justify somebody like this? This wicked man. He was a publican. He was a tax collector. A Jew employed by the Roman government to collect taxes. And he would add on to the uh, bill and make himself rich at the expense of his brethren. He was a wicked man. He was an unjust man. He was a sinful man. Yet, Jesus Christ says with regard to this man, he went down to his house justified, having never sinned. How? You know, I think this is interesting. You know, people talk about the world's religions, comparative religions. There's even classes in college, comparative religions. You can't compare the gospel with some other religion because they don't even deal with this question. How can God be just and justify somebody like me? Muslims don't deal with that. Hindus don't deal with that. Any other religion doesn't deal with that. Only the gospel. Now this parable gives us two representative men. Look in verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. These men both had some awareness of their need to pray, their need of God. Two men went up into the temple to pray. Now, these two men represent the two different kinds of men. There are walking on the face of this earth right now, the two different kinds of men that are in this room right now. There's only two. One is someone who trusts in himself that he is righteous. The other man is the man who trusts Christ as his only righteousness. Two men. Self-righteousness. This is the grand delusion. This is the grand deception. 
This is the greatest oxymoron in the world. Self-righteousness. Blaise Pascal, the 17th century French mathematician and physicist, made this observation. There are two kinds of people in this world. You've heard me quote this many times. Maybe for the first time you'll hear it. There are two kinds of people in this world. The righteous and the wicked. All of the righteous, without exception, believe themselves to be wicked. And all of the wicked, without exception, believe themselves to be righteous or at least have the potential to be righteous. These two men are described in our text. Verse 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now this is a message to all men, me and you. No one is excluded from this demographic. This is the religion of all of us by nature. The religion of the Pharisee. The Pharisee is very alive and well today. And he is in this room. The religion of the Pharisee. This is My and your natural religion. And if you have any personal righteousness in yourself, that's self-righteousness. And do you know self-righteousness will keep you out of heaven? Hear that? Self-righteousness is what will keep you out of heaven. And what always attends self-righteousness? Being judgmental and critical of others. It goes along with it. If I am self-righteous, you know what? I'm going to be critical of you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to see all the problems that you have. I can always find someone that I can believe myself to be better than, superior to. Self-righteousness. Believing yourself to be a cut above somebody else. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. They both saw their need of God. They both saw their need to pray. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee. The word Pharisee means separated one. They believed that something that they did separated them from other men. One a Pharisee, the other a publican. I don't need to go into detail about what a Pharisee and what a publican was. A Pharisee was a very moral, very religious man. The 
publican was a tax collector for the Roman government, and he would add to the tax to make himself rich. Remember, Zacchaeus was very rich, the scripture said. And he was rich at the expense of the other Jews. A publican was a dishonest, sinful, immoral, hated man. The Pharisee and the publican. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed. Here's our Lord's comment on his prayer. Thus with himself. You know, there's so much in the scriptures. It's so awesome. And the Lord says so much when he says regarding this Pharisee, he prayed thus with himself. You know what that means? He didn't have God's ear. He thought he did. But he did not have the ear of God. Not by way of favor. Oh, the Lord heard exactly what he said. But he didn't have God's ear. He didn't have God's favor. I want us to notice how many times he uses the word I. Here's his religion. I. Thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Do you see how many times I is mentioned in his prayer? He stood. He was a confident man. He stood. God, I thank thee. You know, this man was reformed. He wasn't going to give flesh, his flesh the credit. He was far too humble to do that. I'm giving God the credit for my wonderful, glorious life. Far be it for me to try to give myself the credit for this wonderful life that I'm living. God, I thank thee. He gave God the credit. He was one of those people that would see somebody and he'd say, there go I, but for the grace of God. But I'm different. I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Now, I want you to notice what he did not mention. I thank thee for your grace. I thank you for mercy. I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that's in him. We have no confession of sin here, but a celebration of his life as was compared to other men. 
You'll find his assurance was found in what he did and did not do. Now let me ask you a question. Is your assurance found because of what you do or because of what you do not do? Ask yourself that question. That is a works-based assurance. That is the assurance of this Pharisee. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. I'm not an extortioner claiming for myself that which really does not belong to me and making it mine. I'm not that. I'm not unjust. I'm not a lawbreaker. I'm certainly not an adulterer. I've remained faithful to my spouse. And I'm certainly not like this pathetic publican back in the back of the temple. I fast twice in the week. I deny myself. I pay tithes of all that I possess. I bet a lot of churches would like to have this guy as a church member. Wow, what a resume. Nobody likes this man but himself. This man has no true understanding of sin. If he did, he wouldn't say these things. He'd say, I am unjust. I am an extortioner. I am an adulterer. But he pats himself on the back. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. You know, when you're around him, you can feel him sizing you up, can't you? I thank you that I'm not as other men are. Well, let's leave this man for a moment. You know who he is, don't you? You know who he is. He's very close to you, isn't he? Yes, he's a hypocrite. Yes, he's me and you. The Pharisee. The Pharisee. Everybody I'm looking at, beginning right here with myself, this morning, this is our natural bent. This is our natural religion, that of the Pharisee. You don't have to look at the person beside you and think, but they're Pharisees. Me and you are the Pharisees. Verse 13. And the publican. Notice his posture. Standing afar off. Unlike the Pharisee, who I have no doubt was up in the front of the temple, he stood afar off. He believed himself to be utterly unfit, utterly unqualified, utterly inadequate 
I think of Peter when the Lord made himself known to Peter. What was Peter's cry? Depart from me, Lord. You don't want to be around anyone like me. I am a sinful, full of sin. I am a sinful man. Evidently, the Pharisee had lifted up his eyes to heaven. God, I thank thee. The publican wouldn't do that. He would not, verse 13, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. But he smote upon his breast. He knew where his problem was. His heart. The heart, Jeremiah says, is desperately Deceitful above all things. That word desperate means incurable. Incurable. You've got a heart. I've got a heart. The publican had a heart that was essentially bad. He's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. My mom's got a good heart. No, she doesn't. My grandma's got a good heart. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. That's what this publican believed with regard to himself. His prayer is so different than that of the Pharisee. God, be merciful to me. Now, in our King James, it says a sinner. But do you know in the original, the definite article is used. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Not just a sinner but the sinner. Now, before we go on, what is meant by being a sinner? Well, the sinner's the one who commits the sins. That seems easy enough, but I want to remind you, God doesn't put sins into hell. He puts the ones who committed those sins into hell. The sinner is the one who commits the sins. If you would interview this man about his condition, he would say, I am a sinner. And he wouldn't be saying that by way of compliment or way of simple, uh, well, it never body. He would say, I am the sinner. If I would say I have no sin, it would be an act of deception. I have a nature that's always sinful, all the time. Everything I do is the commission of sin. I've not kept one commandment 
one time. Let me repeat that. Take the Ten Commandments. I've not kept one commandment one time. Everything I do is the commission of sin because I did it. If we say we've not sinned with regard to anything, 1 John 1, 10, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. He says we have. Let me tell you something else about my sin. When we interview this man, he says, I can't, I'm not like Adam. I can't blame God for my sin. The woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I did eat. If you hadn't given me that woman, it wouldn't have taken place. No, I can't be like Adam and shift the blame. My sin is all my fault. And because of my sin, what I am, the sinner, I genuinely cannot sit in judgment on any human being with regard to anything. I've got no claims on God because of my sin. If God sent me to hell, if God gave me no mercy, if God cut me off and let me burn in hell forever, I got no claims on God. He's just, He's righteous, He's holy. I want us to notice what this man asks for. It's interesting. The Pharisee, he didn't really ask for anything. He just thanked God for how good he was. I'm far too humble to give myself the credit. But look what this man asked God for. The publican, verse 13, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Be merciful to me. Do not give me what I deserve, because if you give me what I deserve, I will be cut off. Show me mercy. But do you know in the original, that word mercy... God be merciful to me is actually God be propitious to me, the sinner. You know what he's asking? God, do something about my sin. I can't do anything about my sin. I can't make it go away. I can't make it be gone. I'm asking you to do something about my sin. Be propitious. Now that word is taken from the word propitiation. It means a sin removing sacrifice. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is a sin removing sacrifice. He was manifested to take away our sins. In him is no sin. The only way I can be without sin is if I'm in him. Lord, do something about my sin. Take it away through the propitiation of Christ, through his propitiatory sacrifice. I believe that his sacrifice is all that's needed to make me clean before you. Oh, do something about my 
sin. Now, if I'm a sinner, like this man was, I know that my only hope is for God himself to do something about my sin. For he, God, here's what he did. For he hath made him to be sin. For us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God be propitious to me, the sinner. Now we have the word of divine authority. I tell you. This is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not man-made doctrine. This is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you. Oh, he spake as one having authority, not like the scribes. I tell you. That this man, this self-condemned man, went down to his house, not forgiven, not pardoned, not having been shown mercy, although all those things were true concerning this man, weren't they? But that's not the word the Lord used. This man went down to his house justified. And let me tell you exactly what that means. That means he went down to his house having never sinned. Without guilt. Having never sinned justified. Now how can this be? By his own admission he was a sinner And this is not what somebody else said about him, but what he said about himself. God be merciful to me, the sinner. And Christ says, he went down to his house justified, having never sinned. And that describes every believer. You see, if God saves you, you know what? You've been given a new history. And that history is being one who has never sinned. That's what justification is. He said, behold, I make all things new. How can God be just and justify the ungodly is a declaration of God's attributes. Remember how I said this is the, or a definitive parable? A definitive parable? Well, all God is, is seen in how He has found the way to be absolutely just and declare somebody like this miserable publican justified, sinless. Uh, His wisdom, God's wisdom in making a way to do this, his, his justice in punishing all sin and yet his justice declares I must be accepted. His power to put away my sin. His sovereignty, we have these two men, one man God saved, the other man he passed by. You can't ignore that. Two men. His love, his mercy, his grace, 
His love to sinners. Don't you love the way the Lord is called the friend of publicans and sinners? You see, the gospel we believe is the sinner's religion. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Now let me tell you this about justification. It's an act of God. It's not something you accept. It's something God declares you to be. He doesn't say, it's up to you. Do you want to be accepted or condemned? Make your choice. No, no, it doesn't work that way at all, does it? It's a declaration of God. Who is he that condemneth? It is God that justifieth. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's an act of his grace. You know that if you're justified. Being justified freely by his grace. Justification comes for this one reason. The blood. The shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 9. Being justified by his blood. Justification is by faith. Therefore, being justified. By faith, by reliance on who he is and what he did as our righteousness before God. Remember the two kinds of men, men who believe themselves to be righteousness, be righteous, and men who believe that Jesus Christ is their only righteousness before God. Which one are you? You can answer that question right now. Which one are you? And the Lord closes this glorious parable with what we could call the unalterable law of the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. Four. Now this man went down into his house justified rather than the other. That religious man who had such a high opinion of himself he went down to his house unjustified, condemned in his sins. He's going to spend eternity under the condemnation of God. And he ends with this statement. Everyone, there are no exceptions to this. Everyone that exalts himself. And that's what this Pharisee was doing. Exalting himself. I love that scripture. Them that walk in pride, he knoweth how to abase. Everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. And God's the one that's going to be doing the abasing. And he that humbleth himself like this Pharisee, I mean this publican, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He's going to be, spend eternity perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now in this blessed parable, we're really given the message of the entire Bible, aren't we? A definitive parable. Let's pray.
Lord, will you give each one of us the grace to take our place with the publican crying, God, be propitious. Do something about my sin. Take it away through the blood of thy son so I stand before you without guilt. Give every one of us the grace, even now by your grace, to take our place with this man, crying, God, be propitious to me, the sinner. And Lord, let us hear the words of your sovereign authority where you said regarding this man, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Lord, deliver us from exalting ourselves, but give us the grace to humble ourselves under thy mighty hand, looking to thy son alone. In his name we pray. Dwayne, come lead us in closing hymn.